The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Time to kick off one of the more wonderful times of year. July is probably my absolute favorite, but trade deadline is a close second. And with the earlier trade deadline this year in early February, it's time to get started about this. We've been going division by division, or we will start doing that right now. That's what we've done in past years. So we're going to do the Southwest Division today, sponsored by Stamps.com. Enter that cap space code at Stamps.com to enjoy their special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale so uh let's get rolling here danny anything that you just as we're preparing for these teams but just as you started now thinking about the trade deadline in earnest we talked a lot about woge's piece yesterday of some of the players who could be available but anything that's just sticking out to you overall before we get into all this just how big the multi-year cap decision making is going to be for the teams that that have space either now or in the summer of 2018 because there are not many expiring contracts so this has come up with the Nikola Miritich rumors that the Bulls are getting offers from all over, but they, they're not super excited about taking on money for 2018-19 and beyond. And so that's relevant to this division with the Mavericks, of course, but also to a lesser extent with the Memphis Grizzlies. And so teams don't have to make that decision now because they can wait and they can see what the asset return is at that point, because there will always be teams that are looking to shed 5-10 million just to get, because they might have commitments at that point. We've seen it in the, in the recent past and in the more distant past, but there could be be an opportunity now not only to help a team out at that point you know so so they're getting relief then but also maybe there are a small number of teams that could use relief right now and maybe they'll compensate for that too the thing that stuck out to me i I updated my free agent rankings and also we're gonna put this up for patreon subscribers patreon.com slash duncan larue to help support all our endeavors you can subscribe there but i took a look at not only who the free agents are and re-ranked them but also who i thought would be the most likely trade candidates who are kind of fringe trade candidates and then also started to look at buyout candidates Uh, some of those of course are are all the same and yeah there really are a lot fewer players that you're gonna say hey yeah this guy is pretty certain to get moved in part because there are fewer teams really going for it and there are fewer teams really thinking they're totally out of it right now well and there's a third piece of this that i think is really important which is it all goes back to 2016 and in 2016 teams the biggest mistake to go back to to a shirt that to the phrase that is on the back of one of our shirts was years not dollars that they didn't give short-term deals so evan turner myers leonard you know all those type of deals nobody signed overpaid a guy for like two three years in 2016 so you're not cycling anybody out at this point that's going to be more of a 2019 thing than anything in 2020 actually it'll be a big part of it too so you just have a you have these couple of years span where there just aren't expiring contracts yeah and the ones that are expiring are ones that were signed 2014 2015 when the cap 
cap was much smaller. I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, there are not many 2016 expiring contracts. Joe Johnson, Dwayne Wade has already been bought out is one. But yeah, not a, a ton of those overall. So why don't we get started alphabetically? I guess we're not alphabetically. I don't know what order you did this in. Standings? Yeah. The order from no. last year because I just didn't change it. <laughs> <laughs> so we can go whatever order makes you happy. We don't have yeah, to. Yeah, right, now let's just do this order because that's kind of how we started thinking about it. So uh, the Houston Rockets, what is their, uh, always important to start off with just what their cap and tax situation is. So, so let's start there. The Rockets are above the cap, so they don't really have that to work with. They are about $2.7 million below the luxury tax line and $8.7 million below the hard cap. They are hard capped by virtue of acquiring pj tucker via sign and trade so they they can't go over that i don't really expect them no to it wasn't win. it wasn't i don't think it was sign and trade it was just full mid-level exception oh full metal mid-level you're right i yeah. think yeah and then yeah. they also use their bae on Tarek black as well correct so yes they have uh, both of those things they also don't have any available exceptions so their tools to add new talent mostly involve sending away players that are already on their roster and one of the downsides to some degree of actually signing pretty much good contracts ryan anderson an exception to that and he has uh, fallen off a little bit with his shooting of late this season is that if you're going to make a deal i mean i think they would love to especially with these lebron james rumors don't know how many legs those have but gerald Morey is always looking to maintain flexibility and make a big splash they would love to clear off some money for the summer of 2018, but that's probably going to be, if it's not Anderson, and even he is really important to what they're doing right now, just losing him it would be a problem, I think. So really the only kind of structure for a trade that I could see for them that would actually be a big trade would be trying to move someone like Anderson. Maybe, I guess, P.J. Tucker would be another one of those. Tucker is very important to what they're trying to do against Golden State. And then to get back someone, you know, and then they would also send out a draft pick or a young player. And to get back someone who is as good as Tucker or uh, and Anderson, or at least close to it, and then also clear off money. But I think with this team, as good as they have looked when they're totally healthy, I highly doubt they would want to rock the boat in that way 2018 or no. Along those lines, the other possibility that you just kind of have to consider with any guy who's going to get a big pay bump is if they don't feel for whatever reason that Clint Capella is their guy long term, they could move him before. It's actually way better to move a restricted free agent, but potential one that you're not sold on before restricted free agency. It's just easier. But the problem with that is the Rockets have really high expectations and they're not, should they feel that way? And I don't think they do. They would probably be getting worse in the immediate. And that's not what makes sense when you have Chris Paul and Jay. James Harden hopefully both those guys will be healthy for the playoffs yeah and how impacted the center market is that uh militates against trading Capella in a couple of ways number one you're not going to get much for him and number two his eventual contract this offseason may be a lot lower because uh, there's plenty of competition uh, among other centers for those dollars let's just run down a, a little bit of some more of their fundamentals here their first rounder owed this year to now Atlanta it was first sent to the Clippers in the Chris Paul trade then routed to Atlanta as the price for offloading Jamal Crawford salary so they could signed Daniel Gallinari and then so their first first rounder that they could trade uh is 2020 they also do not have their own 2018 or 2019 seconds but they do have Miami's 2018 second and no I do not know exactly where that initially originated and then young players not a ton in the cupboard Joe Chi not someone who I think has a ton of value 
at this point though maybe he'll work out eventually Troy Williams is basically a, a fringe guy he's hurt right now too and Shinano Anuaku another guy who is probably a negative contract frankly he's got guaranteed money of at the minimum but 1.5 million for next season um in terms of what they need I mean they we could see them just make a smaller move to just try and get one more guy to help for this year and maybe that Miami 2018 second or or something smaller could be what's used there what do you think they just need to get better for this year assuming that they're not setting out anything major unless they feel more comfortable with Briante Weber and I don't know how his service days are in his two-way contract just somebody who can handle the ball in garbage time I think it'd be great if they could be more than that if it could be somebody who they trust enough to play 10 to 15 minutes a game especially now with Harden out but somebody in that role is just going to be useful so they can rest these guys and it doesn't necessarily have to be a one because they can play in a couple different affiliations but just a guy who can make decent enough decisions out there that you don't feel like you're going to be hemorrhaging points yeah and now that they've moved on from Bobby Braun as we detailed yesterday they are going to move on from Demetrius Jackson very shortly after signing him to a 10-day they'll have a two-way spot open and they also have a, a roster spot at this point but yeah I mean someone who can be an adequate backup point guard just avoid having to play Harden and Paul too many minutes and Weber you know I'm not quite sure that he's there I mean they could always convert him unilaterally into a minimum contract if they felt like he's the answer but uh someone with a little more offensive oomph it might be what they're looking for though Eric Gordon has provided some of that uh so we're adding a new category to this this year most likely player on this team to be traded I'm going with Tarek Black just because he's a one-year contract so he's and he doesn't have as I understand it he doesn't have veto rights because he yeah he, he, he returned to them but he wasn't on their team last year and he does have a trade bonus so that makes it a little bit harder but he could be the the flotsam in a lot of different deals so I think that makes him most likely yeah he was my second most likely I had Capella at number one but I don't think that really I mean you could also say like Unwaku or something or, or, or Troy Williams you know someone like that but Capella just I, I think maybe we could see some him being a part of like a big move that gets made but again I, I would be very surprised I think Daryl Morty has even said this that he doesn't expect to make any major moves at the deadline all right Pels are coming up next here but first this from stamps.com a, a company that Danny has had a lot of use for lately with sending out all the books that you've been well it is a good problem to have there are a lot of logistical challenges from sending out books one one of them also just being the basics of calculating postage and fortunately the generally the weight is similar or at least the weight per book because sometimes some people are thankfully getting more than one so being able to do all of that in the comfort of your own home I'm nice enough that they they sent me a scale which I use all the time and so you can all those elements that used to have to either a involve waiting in line but also just personal inconvenience you can do in that way printing your own shipping labels having the pickups occur scheduling pickups everything like that and I have used all of those features and more in the last couple months yeah and you're not lucky that they sent you a scale because they'll actually do that for all of our listeners if you use that cap space code click on the microphone at the top of the homepage at stamps.com their special offer includes a four-week trial plus postage and that digital scale as well so at stamps.com enter cap space at the top of the homepage of course cap space becoming more central in our discussions lately as the trade deadline comes up so enter that cap space code let them know that you came from us at stamps.com all right so where are the pels these days they are about eight hundred thousand dollars below the luxury tax and they also have to deal with the hard cap which is for those who are less familiar is at the aprons that is now six million above the luxury tax line i don't expect that to come into play just because i doubt they're going to pay the tax but theoretically it could a little bit and they also are very much in the way if you're thinking about their fundamentals where 
where they're thinking about 2018-19 as well, because if they sign, re-sign DeMarcus Cousins at a value that we, that is likely, they will be in the situation where they'll be over barring other moves. And they can make other moves, of course, but they will have to do that. So they would love to get a little bit more breathing room this year, but they also cannot risk anything in terms of next year when that will be even more urgent than it is now. Yeah, and really, when you've got AD, Drew Holiday, DeMarcus going to make up to $30 million, and then you've got two other eight-figure salaries in the book, Solomon Hill and Omer Ashik. Ashik, you have to imagine, uh, will be stretched if they can't find a taker for him this summer. And if you're New Orleans, it doesn't really make sense to move him. Or The other guy that we talk about all the time, who basically have been dead money uh, for the last two, three years, uh, is Alexei Ajinsa, who's due $5 million this year and next year, essentially. So that makes up about almost $16 million in dead money on their books. But you don't want to make that trade of Ashik now, number one, because the longer his contract goes on and the less time that is on there the lower the price to move him and then also you're just not sure what's going to happen this offseason if you don't actually succeed in re-signing Cousins it's not like you're going to need Ashik on the court because he doesn't really seem to provide anything more there at this point but it would be a shame to have traded him and given up all these assets only to just not re-sign DeMarcus and still be relatively close to being capped out anyway even after you moved on from Ashik so I think it doesn't make sense unless they can get a great deal which they're not going to give and again the center issues and the market being tight for getting off a of luxury tax money as so many teams are trying to there's probably 10 teams that are really going to have that as a goal as we're going to talk about it going through here we've already got two of them in this division so i would imagine that ashik will probably stay on here um Ajinsa, maybe it's possible to move on from him but again you know this is a team that has given up their first rounder i think essentially when you include buddy healed every year for the last five years uh and i don't think that they're particularly interested in doing that again especially now with even though of course you know they're very it's well known that they're not trying to move ad yet if you get to the point where you might have to move him when cousins leaves you really don't want to be out of draft pick then so i would guess that neither Ajinsa nor ashik can be moved at this trade deadline the incentives just aren't there. I believe New Orleans is the only team in the NBA right now that has no players on rookie scale contracts, which is also part of the reason why their books are so screwed because they have to be giving all of these players more money than that. And generally speaking, rookie scale contracts, even if they're low end rotation players, they're not making as much money. So that that's a big part of it. I, I tried to think about a like the, I was like it was the kind of the challenge of like can I create a workable a, a trade involving those guys? And I started with the core of like Ashik Ajinsa and some sort of pick combination for George Hill just because they have similar structures in that way so it'd be more of a it's not as much of a salary dump it's more of just like apportioning value and I couldn't come up with anything I was just it, I just lost it I lost the thread and the other challenge with that is that they're so close to the tax they can't take on money this year so the way that I think if they wanted to do something would be if they just felt that they wanted to move on from one of their guards Ian Clark might be the most logical there just because they have I mean they're starting Rondo and Holiday but they they got Jameer Nelson yeah Tony so Allen be, actually would probably be the most logical i would say he hasn't been really playing at all and then they well, he's signed andre liggins yeah right but I, I think he's he hasn't really shown much when he's been healthy he hasn't fit in i don't think sure that would be fine too with rondo yeah, yeah e- but either yeah, one Clark of those guys. as well yeah either of those guys are not a non-essential personnel we might say so just to get a little more breathing space under the tax sign a buyout candidate just to be able to maneuver you could see them maybe just trading him and either of those guys into space yeah and i don't know what their uh kind of cash on hand right now is but if they still have it for this league year it would be 
be a good use of it to use some of it to do that because maybe a team likes Ian Clark let's say they like Ian Clark and so if they say hey we'll pay half of his salary for the rest of the year I believe he he makes the minimum so he just goes into the minimum exception so they can make that work with a lot of different teams if there's somebody maybe you say hey if you if the clock strike midnight and you just and you don't have anything that you want you just have that kind of a deal in place that might be the way to do it that would have a huge benefit for the Pelicans another note here by the way Dante Cunningham cannot be traded without his consent he had bird rights signed a one-year contract and then if you were to get traded would lose those bird rights so he has uh that implicit no trade clause that he cannot be traded without his permission uh you could maybe see they just haven't frank jackson who they drafted early in the second round this year check diallo two years ago jackson has not played yet uh, with a, a broken foot diallo has not really played much at the big league level at all and they don't have a, a g league team for where he's going to really be, be playing as well as either so i'm not sure that either of those guys is a particular incentive for them to to get off of money and no idea whether either of those guys are any good right now either so uh, i think it's going to be a pretty quiet trade deadline for the pals that might be a uh common refrain for us i mean if you, it, it would be great if they could try to pick up a three-man if they really wanted to go for it in some fashion i mean they've only had a decent two-way three-man for like one year of the of ad's career but with the assets on hand that seems exceedingly unlikely and they do appear to be on track to make the playoffs and you know we'll get to see demarcus cousins for four games in the first round the other thing that's a little bit unfortunate for the pelicans and this is just the the nature of being a a team that's on the fringe of the lecture tax with an owner that's not willing to pay it is they have other ways that they could get better they if they were willing to go into the tax they still have some of their mid-level they still have some of their biannual they still have three three trade exceptions of small small denominations so there aren't many wings available for three million or less you know that's kind of the range of their exceptions and everything like that but in certain other circumstances even if with them butting up against the hard cap there might be a team that says hey we're on the fringe of the playoffs the extra revenue that comes there if we can get a little bit better we might as well do it yeah and that uh, unfortunately doesn't seem to be them who's your most likely player to be traded i'm gonna go with ian clark just because i could see you know he still has a little bit of that glow from the warriors i could see a team saying hey you know he can be our fifth guard and at the minimum for the remainder of the season that's not that much money i said agenda initially but the more we talked about it for all the reasons i just said i'm going to move off of that i'm going to go with tony allen just in a small salary dump type of move oh the one other piece of background before we move on even though we talked about how they've moved all these picks in the past they own all their own firsts and seconds moving forward except for their 2019 second i don't know who has it but they don't have it All right, let's talk uh, Dallas Mavericks now. They have 13.5 million in cap space available uh they also have an open roster spot and i'm sure they would be totally willing to move on from josh mcroberts who has yet to play this season making uh about five million uh they are looking at for 2018 i project them at about 23 million in space there is a team option for dirk Nowitzki. he indicated that he was hoping that they would just pick that up which they might uh they probably will want to keep that on the books because if they decline it his cap hold will go up to 9.5 million so unless he's willing to re-sign for even less than that five million they probably will want to just keep that on the books uh so i think their main goal here what do you see it as danny well so they have to figure out 
a big question, which is, are they willing to use some of that space they have this year right now to take on money for next year? Because if they are, they can get a much different kind of asset return. They're having different kinds of conversations, but they're around max space. So even a $5 million cut in to next year could make a meaningful difference. Another one on top of Dirk. So they have to figure that out no matter what they should use this space. And you can think about it as I would, you know, it is about 13 million in flexible money, but they could take on an even bigger salary than that by using Josh McRoberts. They could just say, hey, we can take on a $18 million expiring contract should one exist if they wanted to go in that direction. Yeah, uh, I, there aren't many of those, though. No, uh, there are not. And there especially aren't any of guys that teams just want to want to dump or anything like that. So my instinct is that, oh, and sorry, the other big question that they need to figure out is how they're feeling about Wes Matthews. So Wes Matthews has a player option, about $18.6 million for next year. So they could, there are two elements of that. One is, do they think he's going to pick it up? Do they think he's going to decline it? And two, how would they feel about that option? You were you are assuming, as I am, that he is going to pick it up and, and play because that's a, a really high value for him. But maybe they say, okay, that's, you know, it's fine, but we want to see if anybody else has more interest in him. So if they're not happy with that number, maybe they sh- th- th- this is the good time to shop him harder because in this offseason, there's just not going to be that much flexibility and teams can send back filler salary differently now than they can in July. Yeah, they do still need West. They don't really have any kind of a two with size. They don't really have a, a three with size either outside of him. Barnes, I think they ideally would have him at the four in most configurations going forward. And I do think that West a tenacious defender uh, there are certain players that he defends pretty well uh, kevin durant is one of those guys and he can make some threes he's still useful can't really do much inside the arc except the occasional post up at this point but he's a guy who could help a, a contender i think he's not really on their timeline at this point i also agree of course that he's going to to opt into that 18.6 million uh maybe what they could try to do is the old pau gasol hey Wes, how about you opt out and you know we'll re-sign you for three years 30 million or something like that to just reduce his number if they think that they can really get into the free agent market and to maximize their space but it's not a great free agent class for guys who might want to come to a team that's still in a rebuilding mode although they are have a better history as an organization and they have dennis smith and some other young talent more so than perhaps other teams do so i think they might try to move west maybe along the lines of a a move to a team that's trying to kill some money you know maybe like the Wizards for Jan Mahimi or not necessarily him or or the Blazers uh, although even those contracts go on another year after Westwood so maybe that's not a great example but Jason Smith is another guy that that you mentioned uh, as well that as maybe someone that they could just take on in terms of money but also send West back and get off of a little bit of money for next year I don't know there's I don't think West is going to get traded and they also I think they really value him just for uh, his locker room presence as a great guy and leader but it could happen i can give you one this is i didn't write this in because i didn't think of it until just now but these are the principles not the whole trade Wes makes about four million more than jr smith i think cleveland would much rather have Wes matthews than jr smith right now maybe and yeah jr has an extra year with a partial guarantee on it but that that drop actually is vaguely useful if they're assuming Wes matthews is gonna opt in so maybe Wes matthews for jr smith plus some asset the problem with that is a it makes cleveland's luxury tax bill th- this year higher and b it they 
really have many of those assets, but I think the bones of a deal there are actually kind of interesting. Yeah, the, and Cleveland could also maybe move Channing Fry in that deal uh, to reduce their tax bill even further. I mean, because they're just once you get into the tax deeply, you know, even getting rid of five million dollars can just save you so much money that it's really it, it'd be almost foolhardy not to do it. But like, I, would you I, give I, up yeah. Chetty in a deal like that? Yeah, I think that he might be enough of an upgrade, especially when you consider the savings. But I, I think that one is interesting. I like that one. Another one that's really just, or I should say just in general, the big decision that they're going to have to make is how much are we really valuing this 2018 space? You know, do we really maybe want to shoot to 2019 instead when Dirk will likely be retired? You have to imagine at that point, Harrison Barnes uh, could opt out to be a free agent you don't even know if he's going to be around past then or not and they could really have just a crap load of space that year even with Barnes on the books as of right now they project to have almost 60 million in space that season so maybe they want to say hey you know what like 2018 we're not really going to be good yet we're probably not in the mix for the best free agents maybe we can try and get some value guys that offseason we won't use up all of our cap space but maybe it's better to just try to move someone like Matt Matthews now who can play but is a little bit overpaid and take back just some straight up dead salary will also worsen our draft pick for this year and maybe even next year as well keep trying to build around Dennis Smith and then we strike in the summer of 2019 that's gonna be an interesting decision and it'll depend what type of assets they can pick up in exchange for that sort of a transaction they also will have to have figured out what they're going to do with Salah Mejri and Yogi Ferrell both those guys are restricted free agents this summer I don't think either one of those guys is going to get a ton of money also Seth Curry I mean Seth curry is unrestricted but has early bird rights so they'll have to they if they use money this year then they can go over with him but if they wait then his number is going to be on the books but i want to give the fundamentals of the jason smith idea this is going to be relevant for a bunch of different teams i thought of this when we were working on this and realized it was pretty amazing because jason smith makes about 10 and a half million over the next two seasons combined but the wizards are about his salary over the tax this year and then next year we don't know exactly what's going to happen with it but they're they're a little bit over next year as well so they if they traded him just into space they would be saving 10.5 million in his salary they would also be saving about 12 to 15 million in luxury tax payments depending on how deep into it they were next year so my question kind of is is that worth a first round pick for the wizards normally that's not 10.5 million doesn't work with that with the math we've said it's more around 15 to 20 million but it saves them more than 20 million because of their specific circumstances and if that's the case if they're willing to give up i mean it's a late-ish first if if the leonsis is is that dedicated to getting under the line then a lot of teams should consider that because in terms of ROI, that's actually pretty excellent for the Suns, for the Mavs, and a couple other teams. Yeah, and if they wanted to throw in Sheldon Mack, who I think is still on the roster as of right now. He is because he got hurt, so there's that. Right. that's part of the reason. Or they could do McCullough, either way. Well, and they could have waived him had they wanted to, but I think they're keeping him on the roster for this exact reason of potentially trying to trade him to save money, because otherwise, with the torn Achilles, they would have just been on the hook since he got injured. Uh, and yeah, McCullough, Sheldon Mack, you throw those two guys in, maybe you're there uh, as far as uh, being under the tax. Um, 
we haven't even mentioned the name of Nerland's Noel yet. I know. And Ner- so Nerland's is in this situation where he has an implicit no trade clause. I think that's a lot less relevant in his case than other ones because it doesn't sound like he's super enthusiastic about being there. And the best type of suitor for him, I don't have a team in mind for this, but if you if people want to think about this in their mind's eye, is a team that does not have much financial flexibility next summer. Because while in a normal circumstance, if this year had gone as expected, you would say, oh, well, that would be a really stupid team to acquire Nerland's Noel because they wouldn't be able to pay him. At this point, even with non-bird rights at his salary of about $4.2 million, that might be enough for a one-year deal or depending on how it goes. Sure, you might lose him, but for a team like that, it's more worth a roll of the dice than a team that has cap space because then they're in a more complicated circumstance. He had this thumb surgery. He's supposed to potentially return in the beginning of February, but that's going to be right around the trade deadline. So hard to imagine that he gets any more run before then they can change the current state of things, which is essentially that he hasn't played at all and he has no value, but still a guy with some potential. It seems like these he could be a potential buyout candidate as well now. A guy who could get traded and would probably accept a trade to go nearly anywhere, but his value might be at such an ADU right now that it really just doesn't make a ton of sense for anyone. But, you know, it's probably something that Dallas should look into just to kind of stay good with, with Rich Paul at this point since, you know, Noel has barely played and he was terrible this year. So it's not like he really deserved the playing time either. And maybe he's just, you know, going to be a guy who's bouncing around the league the rest of his career. Maybe the potential we saw for him is just, it's never going to happen. And that one really good year he had, his rookie year in Philly, is going to be the best that we ever see from him. Uh, okay, who's your most likely player to be traded on this team? Nerlens. They don't have any particularly just like, oh, this guy makes sense to be traded. So I'm going to go with Nerlens just on the idea that he decides it's better to waive his no trade and go somewhere in that way rather than be bought out. I'll go with Wes just because I think Nerlens will probably just won't get traded and will get bought out. Uh, and he's just, even if they do want to trade him, he's just like kind of a weird guy. And so you'd have to agree to it and just who knows what the hell he wants. So uh, I think it probably wouldn't be him. And there's also just like what value are you even going to get back for Nerlens at this point? Is it just going to be a straight up salary dump? Who knows? Uh, although he's a guy who I think actually you were talking about Cleveland. I think that he would be a really good fit in Cleveland uh, for maybe what they're trying to do to just get some more talent to, onto the team. And of course, you know, there's the Rich Paul factor there as well now. Uh, so that that could be something they could look at too. Uh, I'd say it's Wes, although we haven't talked about Mejri Yogi Ferrell who's going to be an Arenas limited free agent this offseason. And then J.J. Barea as well who's had a very effective year. I think all of those guys are probably better players for Dallas, in particular Farrell and Berea, than they would be on other teams. But if there are other teams who just need something at backup point guard and you could get, you know, a second round pick for either Berea or Farrell, you probably wouldn't want to move on from both of them because they do still need someone at, at backup point guard behind Dennis Smith. Uh, but Farrell, you know, with him about to be a free agent, he's older, not sure he's really, despite the fact that he's only 25, he's going to be a free agent. Maybe he's not really a part of what the Mavs want to do, you know, two years from now. Um, maybe they feel like they can lock him into a good backup point guard style contract for the next three or four years and then maybe they do keep him around but the, I would at least explore the value of those guys and Mejri is another guy just with his shot blocking and offensive rebounding who I think could help a, a good team in you know 10 to 15 minutes a game off the bench for whatever reason I've been thinking about the 
Mavericks and Pistons as trade suitors just because as as fits because Detroit is looking to dump future money you know because they're gonna if they re-sign Avery Bradley they're gonna be up against it that you can argue it's a boogie situation where you don't want to commit to that until you've actually done it and they need a point guard in the interim because they have uh Reggie Jackson is out with this severe ankle sprain so maybe something in those kind of realm of like one of these point guards and I don't know maybe Mejri if they still feel like they need a center for Boban or something like that and also Boban with Carlisle would just be a delight so maybe for selfish reasons I want that a little bit but it's just an idea that came into my head and I'm like oh I wonder if that and I could I could totally imagine those front offices talking as well yeah you know it's funny we thought we kind of started with this division because we thought it would be the least amount of work but Dallas actually has a lot of very interesting permutations I don't expect them to do anything big but they have a lot of guys who are going to be free agents or could be expiring they're kind of good kind of bad contracts and they're also trying to do something in free agency this offseason so uh, a lot of directions that they could go the memphis grizzlies not a ton of directions that they will be going it seems like there are a lot that they could be going if they were more interested in accepting the reality of kind of where they're going to be as a franchise with mike conley and marcus ol but it appears that neither of those will even be considered to be moved and therefore what do you see as their main motivations at this point here at the trade deadline i've tried to figure out which read of we're having a fire sale i should do i don't think i should do the tobias funke one because i think that would hurt your eardrums but that's really what this is i mean it's move everything that isn't a part of your future for the best assets you can and try to squeeze when you can like with Tyreek Evans get the best thing you can but there isn't really much of an incentive and so for me the most interesting player is not Tyreek because that's just a straight asset maximization just like Brandon Wright is those ones you just do the best you can the most complicated one is actually James Ennis because Ennis they have early bird rights I don't know how much they like him and I don't know how much he likes them because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent so with him if you don't think he's your guy move him he's not helping you right now i mean he, he you're he's helping you maybe win win a few games but you don't need to win a few games and maybe on another team they would be more interested in his bird rights he doesn't have that implicit no trade because it's a multi-year contract so yeah also what, worth noting that ennis uh, will be 28 this offseason right so th- i there are teams out there that i think would be very smart to be proactive to be talking to, to james ennis one of them being the orlando magic i think that was one where it would make sense where they just need wings so i would be looking in those kinds of circumstances but maybe they like james ennis maybe they want to bring him back and they just have so many of those just kind of like well we'll see what we can get for him guys that i actually didn't find the intellectual exercise with them particularly interesting yeah ennis another team in this division new orleans i don't know if they could come together with the assets to get him i'm not sure that you know run of the mill second rounder is enough to be worth foregoing his bird rights because i do think he's a solid player it's going to be impacted market maybe they can get him if they're trying to compete still these next couple of years for you know a contract in a similar range to where he's at right now i would be willing to pay him more than that but i'm not sure that the league feels that way just to run down what their situation is 7.3 million dollars under the tax so plenty of operating room there they also have a trade exception uh from the troy daniels deal when they moved on from him uh, they have no cap space next year but they at least have space uh, under the tax so they're not incredibly impacted although i'm sure especially given how tight the market's going to be if they could get enough room to use the full mid-level exception this year and they when i say this year i mean in the summer of 2018 
they will not have their BAE available because they used that uh, on Tyreek Evans this year for that one year deal so moving off some money might be a, a slight motivator let's get back to Evans now though because and this is something that Woj talked about the demand for him Lou Williams another guy who might be on the block might not be I mean there's kind of a little bit of market saturation with those guys teams are always looking for creators to uh, help their awful benches tough to say though that you can get a first rounder just for Evans despite how incredibly well he has shot the ball this season and you know maybe it's a very bottom in the first round team but I don't know that Evans necessarily helps any of like the real straight up contenders uh he actually I think he actually would be pretty useful on the Spurs but it's just not a Spurs move to acquire him so when you're getting it to a first round pick for a team that's kind of in the lower end of the playoff round probably too much to give up for him in the thinking of a lot of people so now if you want that first rounder you're gonna have to take something bad back or throw something else in yourself or you have to deal with the second and that kind of seems like it's not really enough uh for him either but keeping him around then you're worsening your draft pick this year which they actually happen to have before they have that first that's owned by the celtics and is top eight protected in 2019 so I don't know. I mean, you said it's not that interesting of an intellectual exercise. I, I found it a little bit more interesting because it's kind of like we know that his value is like, you know, a 1.5 round pick. And it's just how do you get to that? Is it taking on bad salary? Is it throwing something in yourself? Like, how do you reach that calibration? There's another way to do it. And that's with their own second round pick. Sure. So you could one way to do it would be with a team like New Orleans or Detroit or somebody like that. So it's a mid first to give up your second. So it's not like and because their seconds could be pretty damn good so you're those teams it's more like they're moving down half a round rather than that they're they're uh, giving up their first round pick i mean they might not think of it that way in terms of their fan base but you know the fan base might be mad but but you can do it in that way both those teams also have the possibility of a multi-year contract that would be you know a little bit in in that sort of a realm like you could throw a jinsa in i mean i think then you would probably take out the second round pick like a jinsa for tyreek evans who was on the pelicans last year year uh that sort of a thing there are a few teams like that and as you said the top end i don't think there is a ton of interest there and even teams like minnesota where you know just having another guy who's capable on their bench would be really useful it seems to me like tibbs is not going to pull out the cole aldrich and a first round pick for tyreek maybe and their second or something like that that just doesn't seem like his mo well it would be a win now move at least um anything else you wanted to say on these guys i mean i, mean, I guess jamichael green who you brought up earlier seems like the type of guy who could help certain contenders who need like a switchy combo forward who can hit a few threes he's been a little bit more aggressive shooting the three ball this year but also you know i think he used to be when he was back when he was first a fringe prospect playing with the spurs he was really kind of a nuclear athlete and now he's just pretty much a pretty average athlete uh vertically at this point i think um so i don't know maybe and he's got he's making 10 million a year he's got two years left after this one so maybe could be useful to another team you know i don't think that losing him just like kills their chances to compete next year even if you know they are trying to do that so maybe there's a team out there that could use him as a combo forward but not, no one really comes to mind like right off the top of my head here the other guy that we should bring up just as a possibility is ben mclemore is under contract for next year but i don't know that anybody's sitting there really saying we want ben mclemore we think he's going to be a value next year at 5.5 million but i'm sure they'll be talking to teams about him so we should probably mention it yeah he had that broken foot and basically has not played at all you'd have to imagine that he is 
uh, big time negative value on that contract. One other quick thing I wanted to just run by you is how you would be feeling both as Memphis and as another team. I assume they're pretty similar in terms of their, they have all these young guys that are like, I've used the term semi-sweeteners before where it's like, they probably are, they probably make a deal more desirable, but I'm not really sure how much. Jerrell Martin, they picked up his option for next year. Deontay Davis has another year. Selden has a partial guarantee for next year. Andrew Harrison, I believe it's, I can't remember if it's a team option or non-guaranteed, but he has, you know, if they want to do that, Ivan Rabb, they just signed a second round pick. So all those guys are fine. Like they're all making not much money, but I don't know how, like if if they're like, oh, well, we can throw that guy in the deal. Be like, ooh, that makes it better by much. Yeah, they've got Dylan Brooks as well, who has been starting for them. I'm not really sure how to value him either. He's an older rookie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys are just kind of wild cards, but I think they probably have more value to Memphis as long as they're trying to compete just because so I think some of those guys could develop into being rotation level contributors that Brooks in theory already has though I'm not sure how good he actually really has been this season if you look at it closely uh Selden another one so it's it's kind of more just makes sense to keep those guys around if you're Memphis on cheap contracts then you know see what you can get for them which I don't think there's going to be anything that you're going to get back and if you are it's going to be someone who's making a lot more money and this is a team that obviously uh is always in the red just from a pure uh, financial standpoint every season uh should we move on yeah let's do it the san antonio spurs are about three million under the luxury tax they do still have their biannual exception but they're unlikely it seems like they're unlikely to use it a because the spurs don't really do that in season but also because the biannual exception if you use it one year you don't get the next year and they do not have much financial flexibility next summer as it's looking right now so they probably just want to save it and they i would expect that they're going to be under the tax next season 2018-19 but that depends on a big number of factors rudy gay danny green have player options both guys could opt out and resign lots of different things and then they also have restricted free agents bryn forbes davis bertans and kyle anderson and so how all those guys work out so they also have all their own first and seconds other than i believe it's the 2022 second that's going to the jazz uh but really i mean the spurs stay the same because that's what they do at the deadline yeah it is i think if you look at their team needs i think they could use some more athleticism and switchability in the front quarter though getting rudy gay has helped with that a little bit but then i think they also just need one more dynamic penetrator from the point guard position or two guard you know parker manu just aren't quite what they were and so someone who can just pierce the defense initially start off driving kick sequences fly around from the wing off of dho's and get into the paint that would be something that would be really useful uh but again not very spursy to make a huge move i don't think this section is going to take that long but you know i mentioned tyreek evans as a possibility for them i think he would be an excellent fit there uh, i mean if, if they wanted to acquire evans let's just pretend you or i were the gm what do you what would you be willing to give up if you were the spurs to get him and your second rounders are kind of worthless yeah your second rounders are kind of worthless and he you have to treat tyreek as a straight rental because he could be looking for a lot of different things he's an unrestricted free agent you have non-bird rights on him so yeah i mean and, and when you got to hold on to your first because you know if you have a chance to draft nikola militinov or kyle anderson or Derek white i mean that's just worth you didn't so even much use levio jean charles there oh, that was yeah that yeah, was I mean, generous a, of you <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, Livio, I mean, I, I feel bad about him because he got injured uh, sure. and really just lost the explosion that he had before. You know, it's, maybe it's possible that he could have been more of a, of a player who actually could have been more of a modern combo forward type guy. I don't know. He probably wouldn't have worked out. But And a lot of guys late in the first round don't. I don't mean single out the Spurs necessarily, but they're not really getting well, I mean, much. the Warriors have a rough track record in the late first round too. Yeah. No, that's that's certainly true. Um, and, and Anderson, I mean, he's not to say that he hasn't given them good production for where he was drafted but he's not a guy i think for a premium franchise like this who, who really moves the needle for you and evans is someone who i think could make a, a pretty big difference in this uh, another year of Kawhi leonard's prime but you know the spurs basically don't trade future first rounders unless uh no they just don't do it i can't think of a single time that they've done that uh at least in the last 10 years so uh just and that's despite being in the mix nearly every season since then so i think this could be a year to, to do it especially because there are guys available who can help them evans is one Lou Williams maybe not because I think he, he's got some more defensive de- deficiencies uh but Tyreek would be the guy I would go after and I might consider moving uh their first round pick this season potentially for a guy like Evans especially maybe if you could also get Memphis to take like Joffrey Laverne or something for next year or, or maybe get him to take Derek White who you know really at 23 has shown very very little so far maybe he'll come through but you never know I mean but uh anything else you wanted to say on these guys I mean there really is not a ton there the one thing we didn't do for these guys and for Memphis is picking our player most likely to be traded. For Memphis, yes. I think it's Tyreek just because... Oh, yeah, yeah. That was just so obvious. Yeah. I mean, the the, the I, big I difference also with, with Tyreek and Brandon Wright, both guys that I think it would be a mistake if they were on their roster after March 1st, is that Brandon Wright, it's possible there's just not that much interest and so you might have to buy him out. With Tyreek, if you end up buying him out, that is a failure. That is a failure of your front office because you were holding out for too much. And we know what the Memphis Grizzlies are. They're not going to make the playoffs this yeah. year. I mean, what if so. they what if they decide they want to just kind of keep him around and then just since he's been in their system the whole time break into their mid-level and offer him a little bit more or just try to get it done with non-bird rights i mean maybe it's just well they, the but they, if they want him for the mid-level they can just do that next summer i don't think it's going to ingratiate yeah, but him if anymore you keep someone around it's like it's more psychologically it's just like they're still there they didn't he'd be, you they'd be doing the him a solid wounds. by trading him from that shipwreck yeah no i i mean i i agree with you but um I, i'm just presenting the other side here but yeah yeah so uh, most likely to be traded off the spurs what do you think i guess i'm gonna go with white just because he hasn't built up the equity i mean that's one of the big dynamics with the spurs that's so different is that all of their expensive contracts are players that have serious equity with the team i mean lamarcus Kawhi, pow tony parker patty mills danny green manu none of those guys are going anywhere so then well, you're and, in and the they bottom. need all those guys for this year too i mean right. pretty much the way the nba works generally is if you trade a guy uh, who's a veteran you're looking at a talent down great at that point correct and so when you look at that kind of a group Derek White is hasn't established himself he hasn't really gotten the opportunity yet DeJounte has so I'm gonna go with White yeah I mean for for me I might look very seriously into trying to potentially move Patty Mills if you could and maybe even attaching something to him if you could get someone back who would help you for this year who might be kind of similar to him I mean, Mills is owed 11.5 12.4 and 13.3 million the next three years after this one and then even with this new Aldridge extension uh even 
if Danny Green were to opt in, you could still have about 15 million in space this summer. Or if Green were to opt out, you could have 25 million in space if you were able to get off a of mill. So that would be a construction I would consider looking at. But obviously, if it were me, I wouldn't have given out the, those contracts uh, to Gasol and Mills uh, to begin with. Certainly not Gasol and Mills, actually. I don't think we were particularly low on. Uh, and, you know, I probably wouldn't have signed Jeff Laverne for a, a one plus one either, uh, even though it is uh, at the minimum. Um, I would agree with you. I think White is probably the most likely to go. I would even think about if I were them. And I know he's got a ton of potential in theory, but I would think about maybe moving DeJounte Murray. Just seeing, just listening on him, check out his value. God, how how big a red flag would that be if the Spurs trade him? Because there's always that thing when you trade a guy early that you know more than the other teams do. Like my reaction to that would be like, oh, okay. That's just well, the way not, it would you be You know, it's me. not even necessarily to me a red flag as just an acknowledgement that he's not ready to really help us at a championship level right now. And, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is in his early 30s and Kawhi is in his prime right now. So let's move him and see if we can get someone who's going to help us more right now and maybe with an acknowledgement as well that all right this guy just due to his shooting limitations he could be a quality player but i don't know if he's going to be a superstar i feel pretty confident about that just because of the shooting issues uh and so maybe you just test it out and see maybe if there's someone who really really values him and see what you could potentially get there um but you know again they're not going to do that it's not the spurs way it's just something that i would think about because i think murray is still you know at least two years away probably from being able to be a starting level of player especially on a good team and that's assuming that the shot comes along which you know for most players of his ilk it does not if we're about done can i do a plug absolutely i haven't finished editing it yet but i will hopefully have my real gym radio episode with tim bontemps of the washington post we did tiers not of the conferences separately but of the entire nba which was a pretty fun exercise so it was about you know who's competing for the title and all that kind of stuff that'll be out either wednesday night thursday morning thursday afternoon depending on when i get my act together and get it done and I should have new pieces for The Athletic and maybe for The Sporting News, a big one that I've been working on for a long time, but I don't know when they're going to release it. It might be early next week. So I'll push that harder when I know it's coming out, but keep an eye out for it. Yeah, and a reminder to subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Great way to support our endeavor with the Twitter NBA show, which we're going to be ramping up here in terms of our frequency as we get into having more big nationally televised games in the second half of the year. And then obviously in the playoffs, we'll be doing that, you know, probably at least four or five times a week i would imagine and then i'm going to be posting my list of potential trade candidates buyout candidates uh, in the next couple of days danny did another danny story time uh, explaining it was the maximum contract right your latest real gm cba encyclopedia post correct so we'll have that there as well and then getting into the trade deadline we're basically going to be posting anytime a move is made very quickly after the move is made updated salary sheets and projections and maybe a little bit of commentary uh, as well uh, so hopefully we make that worth your while and you just you want to support us uh, as well especially if you're not someone who's able to use uh, our sponsors we always appreciate uh you actually just paying us money directly is a great way to support the show too uh all right that'll do it thanks so much for listening and we'll be back tomorrow I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do yet to close out the week but uh you know it'll be awesome talk then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.